0: Jared and the GM live at Bridgestone Arena, Pete and Terry's Tap House or a Tavern. Again, Preds tonight, pregame in one hour. And, of course, the puck drop is at 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 1025, the game. We'll have Ask the GM. We're going to push that back. We'll have that coming up later. Jared and the GM, we were able to sit down with ESPN's Trevor Maddich as we broke down this weekend what's upcoming in college football earlier this week. Jared the GM, we are live at Bridgestone Arena. Oh, goodness gracious. Ian, is Trevor there? Okay, so we're working on getting Trevor Maddich. We just got a lot going on right now out here, Pete and Terry Savern. Um, just a lot going on. Sorry, Dave. <laughs> we, we got a lot going on. Oh. So, anywho,
1: my dog got sick this morning. It looked very much like yeah, that. Yeah, a little
0: bit of a mistake <laughs> over there. My bad. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, uh, anywho, so I believe America has gone soft. Do you want to know where I think America's gone soft? <laughs> okay,
1: because they carry bags of protein shake around with him. And hey,
0: I'm trying to drink a protein <laughs> shake, and I knocked the thing over. And, but you know what? At least I did it away from the broadcast equipment. I feel bad because I got it all over their equipment, but uh, at least I got it away from the broadcast uh. equipment, which, you know, I'm sure that they take no solace out of. Uh, but anywho, so I think America has gone soft. So I did not even think of this. So, Jer- so Jared Garantano on Saturday tries to fake, right? Like, or... Er, I don't even know what he was trying to do. He was trying to sneak it in for a touchdown. Fumbles the ball. Alabama runs it back for a touchdown. And all of a sudden, you know, Garantano comes out of the game and Pruitt grabs his, just touches his face mask, right? Not a big deal, right? No. So I'm watching Get Up this morning. And they are breaking it down with Marcus Spears and Desmond Howard about Jeremy Pruitt touching the face mask. This is what they said.
1: Let's show you the video here. This is going to be Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt. And you're going to see him grabbing a player by the face mask. The player is the quarterback, uh, Jarrett Garantano. This was a goal line fumble, so it's obviously not a great play here. And you're going to see as he comes over to the sideline, just stay with it, grabbing the face mask. It's, it's not violent, but it is a brief moment there. So I agree, I'm going to put 60 seconds on the clock, and I really want to let you have the floor. What yeah, did you make of that?
2: Let me preface this by saying that that wasn't egregious. The one that exactly. Jumbo Fisher had last year was egregious. I don't think Absolutely. you do that. Here's my issue, though, G. This, you don't know the reaction of these players. That's my issue. Everybody talks about, well, it's soft now. And let me tell you something. I played nine years in the damn NFL yeah. with grown men that didn't give a damn about your feelings. What I see when I see that situation, though, is a is – a, 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 a power move, right? I don't, you, don't, you won't do that. What if we saw a player go, a coach make a bad call, and a player go grab his head and be like, what the hell are you doing? So that's
0: my issue with it. So they made the big deal about the grabbing of Jarrett Garantano's face mask. And you heard Marcus Spears say, you know, that's oh, kind of football thing. Well, then Desmond Howard gave his take, and Greenberg gave his take on it. This is what they said on Get Up This Morning
1: in my opinion, that acted like that, but they knew who to act like that to
0: and who not to act there like that to
1: So
2: that's the biggest difference. Yes. Yeah,
0: I mean, you,
1: better, I, you
2: better know who you're doing it to. Exactly. Trust I, I don't yeah. think
1: this is that complicated. Keep your hand off it. I mean, it's just that simple. Well, yeah, I'm standing Absolutely. There. Keep stand, your hand yes. off
0: Keep it. Wait, who cares? Who cares that Pruitt just touched the face mask, Greeny? I mean, I, I don't know what, what, what's wrong with grabbing a kid's face mask in football.
1: Well, I mean, that wasn't even a grab.
0: No, it was like a little caress. He put, he
1: put like a finger up there, too. And he, and I think the purpose was to move the quarterback's head to face him so he could talk to him eye to eye. So I, I don't, I mean, I didn't, it didn't bother me in the slightest. If, if somebody hadn't have brought it up, I would have never even mentioned it, never even noticed it.
0: Trevor Maddich joins us now, ESPN College Football Analyst. Trevor, your thoughts on the Jeremy Pruitt face mask grab, and do you have a problem with it?
2: Under the circumstances, I don't. If it had been a play that just didn't work out, in other words, had he tried to jump with a sneak over the top when he wanted him to run the quarterback sneak but keep the ball down low, then it would have been over the top to grab his face mask. Keep in mind that Jeremy Pruitt, Walked about four yards out onto the field, pointed at Garantano, and then as Garantano was still on the field, walking off the field, looking where he was going, that's when the little face mask grab happened. If that had been the case, then uh, I would have I would have said that was too much. It was not necessary to show up your quarterback like that. Here's the problem: the starting quarterback was out uh, with a concussion, I guess, and this was your guy. This was your chance to win the game. They were playing. Alabama close, even though they played 27 freshmen and sophomores. They still played Alabama close at Alabama. And this play was actually a power play to the left. And it would have been a walk-in. It was, it was a perfect call by offensive coordinator Jim Chaney. Basically, it was locked down on the pile of players, of defenders that were inside, pull a guard and kick out the end man. And as it worked out, it worked perfectly. The ten men on the defense were jammed on the inside, and the guard was kicking out the end man. And if he'd have handed it off, Garantano, it would have been a touchdown. and It would have brought them into a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter. Instead, while the offense ran the correct play, the quarterback decided to do a quarterback sneak. The offensive line wasn't blocking quarterback sneak. As a matter of fact, the left guard who pulled left a gaping hole that the defense came through, and that was part of the group that stopped them. Then, of course, he fumbles the ball. They pick it up and go 100 yards for a touchdown the other way, and that's what broke open the game for Alabama finally, right? So this was a moment where the quarterback decided that he would veto the play call and not tell anybody else about it. Now, if that's what happened, now he, he might think that he misheard the play, and but everybody else heard the play right. Wasn't well, he, he
0: the one that tells him what the play is?
2: Uh, well, he's, yeah, he's the one who tells everybody else what the play is. That's right. And, well, though a lot of times they'll all look at the sideline, but the quarterback, if he's the only, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to lay out a possibility that there's something that we don't know. Because right now it looks like Garantano decided that he was gonna, gonna freelance when the play that was called would have scored a touchdown. Now, that's the backdrop. That's what sets it up. Now Garantano's walking off the field. Now the coach comes out five yards, four yards on the field, and is pointing at it, right? Then he grabs his face mask, just a quick little jerk on the bottom, bottom of his face mask. Now, the original question, Jared, was do I have a problem with that? In this circumstance, here's why I do not. When a player gets emotional, when a player loses his composure, when a player gets outside of what the coaches are asking him to do, Sometimes a coach has to do something to get him reset, to get him mentally reset. For some players, that's, you, you talk to them. For some players, you ignore him. For some players, you give him a little push, a physical contact. So you, you push him in the shoulder, you just a little snatch on his face mask kind of a thing. And I think that because he was the last quarterback, they had a chance for them to win the game. And the game, still at the moment of that, of that play call, was winnable. I got the impression that what he was trying to do was get Garantana reset to do what the coaches, coaches were asking him to do. If it were just to punish him for physically making a poor play, then I would be all over Pruitt for it. But the door is open for the reason for Pruitt to grab that face mask like he did was to mentally reset his quarterback and get him back into the here and now. And if that's the case, then it was absolutely the right thing to do and the best thing to do for the player.
1: Trev, we were talking about the the upper echelon players at the beginning, I mean teams, at the beginning of the year this year. And for whatever reason, some injuries, some just playing poor, you look at Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama, and right now you're not thinking they're among the best in the country.
2: Yeah, you're right. And, and well, among the best, sure, but unbeatable elites, no. Uh, as we know, Georgia's already gotten a loss, and Clemson and now Alabama look like they have some real issues. They all have their own reasons for it. Georgia, we talked about this all year. They've got an outstanding running game, but they've got all new receivers, basically, for their quarterback, Jake Fromm. NFL quarterback and no one to throw to that he's got any chemistry with yet because they're new or they're young or they're both new and young. And so from the beginning of the season on tape, I've noticed that while the short passing game has been fine, the long passing game over the top, you know, where the ball travels 15 yards in the air or more, has been really bad. It's, been, it's just not in sync. And part of the reason, I think, again, is the chemistry between quarterback and receiver. Well, that allows defenders to come up and jam up the short passes and jam up the run, and that's exactly what South Carolina did to beat them. And when they get into games against the elite, uh, Florida's coming right up. You know, they, they will need to either prove that they are so good that they can just mash you, or they'll need to get that chemistry squared away, but that's their vulnerability. For Alabama, Tuatango Vailo is now out. How long will he be out? Well, I, I'd be surprised if he doesn't come back for the LSU game, but he will still probably be limited for that game, uh, because he's had surgery, for goodness sake. And so, the, um, and they've got a lot of young guys on the defense. Alabama's offense, they ran the ball pretty well against Tennessee. Uh, but over the course of the season, they have not been the overpowering, rushing juggernaut that we've known them to be. And if the quarterback is not able to hit those receivers, they're going to have to run the ball better. Uh, and so this is where they're vulnerable. Plus, they've got the young guys on defense, of course. Um, and then the third team was Clemson. Yeah, Clemson's offense is just really clunky. It's really clunky. And at this point in the season, I thought Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, would have already broken out. I thought he would have already put his slow start behind him and began to just light people up. Instead, what we saw is what we saw against Louisville, where, yeah, they got lots of yards, lots of points, I get it. But he was throwing the ball up for grabs into the end zone, had a couple of them picked off. One of them, his guy went up and got it, like they did all all year last year. But now, whereas last year it looked like he was trusting his receivers and putting it where they could get it, this year it's looking more like he's throwing the ball up for grabs and hoping. That's a completely different thing. I mean, a lot of the pinpoint passers will know that their guy can jump up to a certain spot that the defender can't get, and he'll throw that ball to that spot, and it's eight inches away from an interception, but it's not really that close. So I worry that Trevor Lawrence is throwing the ball up for grabs and isn't fixing it. And so, you know, he's not going to really be challenged by any defense until he gets to the playoff, if they make the playoff. But right now, this is not a playoff-caliber offense.
0: That was Trevor Matic on with us earlier in the week. Jared and the GM, we want to apologize for the uh, the abrupt uh, send-a-break that we just had uh, at the top of the hour. Uh, Our on-site engineer, Dave, um, needed, required medical assistance. Floyd, I know you and I, you, you were over there with Dave. Uh, we hope Dave's going to be okay. Yes, we do. So we really, Dave's a real valued member of our team. Um, you know, one of the behind-the-scenes guys. I mean, he's with us as much as anybody, honestly. Every time, Jared and the GM, we do something, whether it's out here at Tavern or at the George Jones or yesterday over at Drake's, I mean, Dave is, is as much a part of this show as Floyd, I, Ian, Ryan, everybody else. So, uh, luckily, we, uh, we rushed out to get medical attention. And, um, obviously, the fine folks at Bridgestone Arena did a great job. The people here at uh, Pete and Terry's Tavern did a great job. And uh, we got the EMS here on site. And uh, we're hoping for the best for Dave for whatever it may be. So, if you're, uh, if you're, if you're the praying type, say something for our buddy uh, Dave Stripling, who, again, is as much a part of the show as, as any of us. So, we're uh, we, uh, we were attending to that situation, so we apologize. We got a lot of tweets, people wondering what happened. That's what happened. Uh, we don't really know any more than that, but we're, we're thinking about our buddy Dave. We're going to go on with Ask the GM. So, Ian, I don't even know what we're giving away. So, uh, so A pair us- of tickets to Incubus. tickets. A pair of tickets to Incubus. At the Ryman so- Auditorium on November 27th. So best question for the GM. Let's load them up. Everything's on the table for Floyd. 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Again, the best question for the GM. Ask the GM. We're just starting it a little bit late this time. So just get them locked and loaded in for Floyd. The best question. Want a pair of tickets to see Incubus at the Ryman Auditorium. For Ask the GM, 615-737-1025 is the phone number. Jared and the GM, we're live from Pete and Terry's tap House. It's ESPN 1025. The
2: Speak A little bit of the personality. Everybody
1: listens. They understand every situation. And we're giving you exclusive access to pick the brain, the brain. of former Titans GM Floyd Reese. Brought
0: to you by Pella Windows of Nashville and Bob Steak and Chop House.
1: Call 615-737-1025. No, you're never going to make a mistake. This is Ask the GM.
0: Ask the GM is presented by Bob Stake at Shop House in Pella Windows of Nashville. Jared and the GM live from Pete and Terry's Tap House here at Bridgestone Arena. Predators game day, of course, coming up later today. We'll go to your phone's best call for the GM, best question for the GM. Want a pair of tickets to Incubus at the Ryman Auditorium. By the way, Floyd, uh, I did want to get to this. Uh, Chad tweets in, so I was saying that for Halloween, next Thursday when we're here, I think we should dress up. And I think Floyd should dress up as Santa Claus, which Floyd is requiring a $10,000 donation in order (laughs) for him to dress up as Santa Claus on Halloween. Chad on Twitter says, if you want it done, get Floyd's grandkids to call in and ask him to dress like Santa. There's no way he'll say no to (laughs) that. So my ask the GM is, if the grandkids call in and ask for you to dress up like Santa, which... I don't
1: know, will be tough.
0: Ask the GM, President <laughs> box Bob Stegg and Chop House Pella Windows of Nashville. We go right to your phones. Jerry is going to kick us off here on Ask the GM. Jerry, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese.
2: Mr. GM, your question is, what was the pick that you were the uh, most proud of and what was the pick that you were the most disgusted with that you made?
1: Wow. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, You know, it's funny because it's it's easy to look at the top picks and think that, you know, that was, you, you drafted a, a Pro Bowl caliber player in a, in a first-round pick, but that's what you're supposed to do. Um, still, you know, we had some good ones. I think when you get a Pro Bowl caliber player later on in the draft, that's always a thrill. You know, when you can get a John Runyon in the fourth round or you get a D Mason, D Mason, the fourth round, I was thinking Cortland Finnegan in the seventh round, or even you bring in Drew Brennett, Bennett as a, as a free agent, you know, cost you like 2000 bucks and he ends up being a starter and a pretty good player for a number of years. So you probably get more pleasure out of those down the line guys a little bit not taking anything away from those upper echelon guys because they you know they were going to be great players but most of those guys you expect to you know the worst the one I felt the worst about in my whole career I think was a guy we drafted out of Alcorn State named Brian Mix and the reason that it bothered me so much was I, I watched every game he played. I went and saw the kid. I was around the kid. And I could not fall in love with him. I just couldn't. I couldn't see the production. I couldn't see him make plays. I couldn't see him do the things that I was looking for. Um, and yet, literally everybody in the organization loved him everybody in the organization thought this guy was going to be a great player and I'm not pointing fingers I'm just saying that you know there were a lot of people convinced he was going to be a great player and and we ended up taking him and you know he ended up being pretty much what what we thought he was so um, well, not you know, we if
0: everybody loved him except for you then yeah but, what but, you but, thought I he mean was. I,
1: I took him so you know it becomes a we. After you take them, and uh, and I think that disgusted me the most because, you know, I, I, I thought I knew, but I didn't have the guts to hang in with it. You know, I kind of gave in and it ended up costing me. So, um, you know, and I always felt like the, I always felt like if I'm going to get fired for my draft picks, it's going to be, be be because it's my decision. Not anybody else's. I didn't want anybody else to to make the picks. I didn't want because it was it was my butt and so I was gonna make sure that you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. Does certainly doesn't mean I was right uh, all the time because we know that's not the case, but uh, but you certainly try to be.
0: Let's go to Barry who's up next here on Ask the GM presenter by Bob Stake at Chop House and Pella Windows in Nashville. Barry, you're on with the GM Floyd Reese.
2: Gentlemen, first-time caller on any radio show. I just want to say thank you for making the drive for the hour-long hour-long trip each day. Actually, something I look forward to. Uh, my question for the GM... We really appreciate GM, that, by the way. Um, what would, would be... Obviously, you've been very successful with football. What other career would you have done if football was not your career?
1: Huh. That's a great question. I... Um After I, by the way, that's a nice call. We really appreciate that. But uh, uh, when I graduated from college, I went back to to UCLA and got my master's in kinesiology and actually was offered a job at Ford Motor Company way, way back when uh, as a, I guess what you would call a health consultant of some sort. What they wanted me to do is they wanted me to come in and develop these workout programs for the executives and, you know, anybody that wanted it, but generally speaking, you know, the executive office. And it was, uh, I mean, it was a very nice job, very highly paid and uh, and something that, you know, at that point in time when you just graduated from college, you didn't have anything you know, you kind of looked at that and you thought, "Wow, you know, this this could be a nice start." And then back then, I started thinking, "Well, you know, how many places, how many other jobs could you get like this?" Well, as it turned out, you know, it's a it's a giant throb- thriving business. But um, but you know, I'm going to guess I would have gone into something like that, uh, where I would have uh, I would have been some kind of a care health care specialist of some sort. Really, yeah, I mean that was kind of where where my masters was taking me you know i I got my master's in kinesiology only because I wanted to get i wanted to get a master's, and I wanted something that I thought could help me coaching mm-hmm. and and kinesiology, of course, has to do with the human body and all the all the ins and outs and and uh and so I thought, okay, that'd be perfect, you know you learn about the body and what you can and can't do and and uh, that should help you coaching, and it did help me get my my help me get in the NFL. As a matter of fact. But. So
0: my thing is, is you didn't want to go with your major political science. You didn't want to be a politician. I mean, you do no. a great job of talking the fence. I no. mean, I, Floyd Reese uh, interested in running for mayor? No, if you had no. not gone into the NFL, <laughs> no, no. Floyd Reese, no. president of the United States? No,
1: no. After after seeing politicians at work. That's, that would be the last thing. You'd rather be on the radio? Anything. Anything is better.
0: Let's get another batch of calls for the GM. 615-737-1025. Again, two good calls, but we'll keep running through them. 615-737-1025. Got a line open if you want to get in. Again, best call for the GM. We'll win a pair of tickets to see Incubus. That's right, Incubus at the Ryman Auditorium. Ian, what's that date again? November 27th. November 27th, right around Thanksgiving incubus at bridgestone arena 615-737-1025 authentically american as you all know we love rocking authentically american here if you go to my instagram at the jared stillman you can see me rocking their new sweat ink if you want to redo your wardrobe maybe you need new polo shirts it's winter time sweaters you can go to authentically american and either get outfitted for just you or for your entire business like we have it's simple. They've got everything at Authentically American, and everything there is made in the USA. And here's a bonus. If you use My Name Jared at checkout, J-A-R-E-D, you will get 20% off. That's right, 20% off your order with My Name Jared, J-A-R-E-D, at checkout. That's Authentically American. The next iconic brand that is truly American-made, Jared and the GM at ESPN 1025, The Game. Chair to the GM, Ask the GM, is presented by Bob Steak at Chop House and Pella Windows of Nashville. Pushed back a segment today, but we're still getting rocking and rolling with the calls. By the way, Floyd, I do want to say something before we get back to the phones. Okay. I do want to thank and recognize the Bridgestone Arena EMS staff and the people here at Pete and Terry's Tavern that did a great job uh, You know, with uh, our on-site engineer, Dave, who is now in the hands of the Bridgestone Arena EMS staff. Uh, we want to thank them for their attentiveness their attentiveness, their uh, the immediacy in which they were able to attend today and of course their responsiveness. I thought that it was very, very uh, well done given the circumstances. Let's get back to the calls for Ask the GM. Bob is up next on Ask the GM presenter. Bob taking chop Balsen Pellet Windows of Nashville. Bob, you're on with the GM Floyd Reese.
2: Hey, fellas, love your show. Thank you. Floyd, I want to ask you, get ready for Tampa Bay, Mike Evans is an established NFL receiver. He's had you know, tons of yardage, tons of touchdowns. He's been around for several years now. Are the Titans going to be more worried about him or Chris Godwin, who has been red hot this year with multiple 100-yard games? What are you more concerned with uh, getting ready for Tampa?
1: Yeah, that's, that's interesting because uh, Godwin is really, really playing well. Uh, he is—I want to say—he's like top two or three in the league in receiving. I mean, he's way up there. Uh, Evans—we've known about for a while. Evans is a problem because he is so big. He is a—you know—he is a six-five, two hundred and thirty-pound kind of guy. And what they do is they get—he goes out there and they throw jump balls, and he can—he can, he can jump all the corners, you know, that he plays against. And so it becomes a little bit of a basketball game um Godwin is just he he runs good patterns, he could run past you. I mean he is really playing well, so I'm not sure they're different kind of receivers. you know, I think Godwin off the top of my head is the guy that might scare you deep the most, which always scares any defensive coach uh but Evans is one of those guys that you know he can go out any week and catch six or seven or eight for 150 160 yards and and that's what you you know you don't want him to continue to hold on to the ball but they they both those receivers are big time quality receivers and the guy that concerns also concerns especially after last week and some of the things that we've seen are the tight ends you know we have not their tight ends have done very little but after what they saw last week, I think they have to look at this game and go, okay, we'll be ready.
0: John is up next here on Ask the GM presented by Bob at Bob Steak at Chop House and Pella Windows in Nashville. John, you're on with the GM, Floyd Reese. Hey, Jared. Hey, Floyd. Um, I wanted to ask you about uh, Tannehill. If he has a solid year and somehow gets us into the playoffs, if you were John Robinson, would you sign him to a big deal? Thank you, John.
1: You know, I'm sure I would negotiate with him. It depends on what the coaches said. But if everybody was in favor, I'm sure I would negotiate and and probably try, probably to see what kind of a deal we could get. You know, the the term big deal always scares me because, you know, I'm not sure you can jump out and pay a guy. million a year off of 10 games. Maybe you have no choice. I would say this. If he did that for the Titans, he would probably be able to get that kind of money someplace from somebody. Um, And that may be all he needs. But I think if, in fact, he were to be productive like that, it would have to be one of those um, cases that you're looking at it and you're saying, okay, what are the options here? And the truth is, If you've got a guy that just took a, you know, two and four team and got him to the to the playoffs, um, you know, you're probably not going to find a lot of guys that can do that for you other than than the obvious. So, you know, you're going to try to find get the best deal you can and go ahead and and sign him. And he probably ends up being your guy.
0: Don is up next here on Ask the GM, presented Bob Steak at Chop House in and Pellet Windows of Nashville. By the way, there's no way I can get a deal on Tannehill to be my franchise quarterback? <laughs> Guess not. Go ahead, uh, Don.
2: afternoon, gentlemen. GM, i yes, like No, you've been you've been here for a while with the NFL. I just want to know your best, best offensive player you've ever been around and the best defensive player you've ever been around. If you coached them or drafted them or what, your best two.
0: Oh, thank you. And Tom Brady, you cannot use him. Because <laughs> that's too obvious.
1: Yeah, Brady was was probably easy. Uh the best offensive player. Wow. I guess other than Brady, it probably would have to be Gronk or Edelman, one of those guys. Ahead of Eddie George? Probably. Not taking a not taking a single thing away from Eddie, but
0: but like Gronk and Edelman are going to the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, those guys were truly, truly elite. Um, you know, Eddie was was fantastic. I mean, we you know the Bruce Matthews and Mike Munchak's and guys like that that you're around. I mean, those guys are already in the Hall of Fame and they're they're elite, but they're a position that you know doesn't carry all the clout that a that a receiver or a running back or You know, everybody wants to look at those and think of those guys as stars. So I think that affects you a little bit. Uh, Defense, that's a tough one now.
0: Well, you were on those Minnesota defenses that had all those superstars. Yeah, we –
1: I don't know. I mean, I, I was with some defensive linemen that led the league in sacks, you know, Keith Millard was that we drafted him in the first round when I was at Minnesota, and he ended up going to USFL and then came back to the NFL and was an outstanding player. Chris Dolman, a Hall of Fame defensive end. You know, I didn't coached. you
0: coach the guy who has like the all-time record for NFL interceptions? Krause,
1: yeah, Krause leads the league or has the NFL record for interceptions. Uh, but but Krause was not. Krause was a great football player, great instincts. But, uh, I mean, if you saw his body, you would be shocked compared to what they are now. You know, Um, I mean, I've, you know, Matt Blair off of that team was all pro every year for a number of years when all pro met something. Uh, You know, Hainsworth here was an outstanding player. Curse. Curse was an outstanding player. I mean, we were lucky. There were, there were a few people we've been around that were, were really, really big time that way.
0: So I think it's easy to say Brady, right? Like, Brady is the best player you've ever been around that your organization had when you were there. And I don't think anybody would ever dispute that because Brady is honestly arguably the greatest player who ever lived. Right. So it's easy to, to sit back and say Brady. I would have to say that if it were me and I were picking and I were saying, okay, Of my, as a fan watching them, you know, who are the best players that Floyd has ever been around? And I could put the Patriots into this. I think Gronk is certainly up there. To me, it would be between Curse and Hainsworth for the Titans. That they were the two best, just when you talk about raw talent, game changing ability, you know, at their peaks, Curse and Hainsworth, I think, were the two best players. Maybe the Titans have ever had, but especially on the defensive side of the ball. But then I think about, you know, well, Keith Bullock could kind of do everything on defense. Oh, yeah, he was great. And so there's a lot of other guys that I think I factor into the equation. On offense, where I really get hung up is I, I think back to those Titan offenses. They had so many good players. I'm not sure outside of Bruce Matthews, any of them will ever make it to the Hall of Fame. I'm inclined to think D Mace. Might have been the best all-around offensive player of that Titan era, only because of how dynamic he was and the longevity of his career. Because he was
1: versatility, yeah, all-purpose yards,
0: you know, punt return, kick return, wide number one wide receiver. And it's not a knock to Steve McNair or Eddie George. I think there's a chance I'd say D. Mace would probably be somewhere on the list. By the way, and I know we, we touched on this a little bit, but I think it's pretty cool that D. Mace and Chris Johnson are going to be the 12th Titans this week as they uh, honored them before the game. And I'll just say this. I think it's, re- even though D. Mace did retire a Baltimore Raven, I think it's important for the Titans to recognize his contributions to the organization because he was such a great player when he was here. You want to know how good of a player D. Mace was when he was on the Titans? The other day, somebody called into the morning show, and it was it was Monday after the Titans had the goal line stand against the Chargers, and somebody called into the morning show and said something along the lines of, "You know, uh, I remember D. Mace when you played, and there was a there was a goal line stand at Cleveland, and that got the team going, and that the team carried on that, and I I text Nick right then and there, and I said. No, no, no. It was Cincinnati. It was 2002. It was Cincinnati. And D Mace basically won the game for them. And so Nick then says on air, he goes, Stillman just texted me and said that it was 2002 against Cincinnati and that Derek basically won the game for them. You remember that, D Mace? And, and Derek goes, Nah, I don't remember that. Derek had like three touchdowns in that game. Well, you've got to have a lot of good games. If you can't remember, essentially, you know, having three touchdowns or two touchdowns or whatever it was, and single-handedly, kind of putting your team over the top offensively, you gotta you gotta have a lot of games if you can't remember a game like that,
1: right? And and, and Derek did. I mean, there were he was a great player. He was a great player.
0: A great player. Al is up next here on Ask the GM, presented by Bob Steak at Chop House and Pelo Windows in Nashville. Al, you're on with the GM Floyd Reese.
2: Hey guys, how are you? Florida, I just had a question for you. Um, I put a lot of thought into this. What would you like your legacy to be? All the great players you worked with, uh, all the contacts, all the people you've met over your lifelong career, your radio career. Um, what would you like people to really remember you by and what you stand for? And, and uh, that's my question to you guys today, to you, sir.
0: Thank wow. you,
1: Al. I mean, I have no clue.
0: <laughs> well, you start, you're the kind of guy who I think would what say whatever you ever, want to write about That's it you, it. you know,
1: I mean, whatever they're going to say about me. I have never, ever worried about things like that. Never, ever thought much about things like that. Simply because it doesn't matter. You know, if I said I want to be known as X, well, I mean, when it's... When I'm gone, people are going to say why about you anyway. And so, you know, it's going to be whatever, whatever those that are a lot smarter than I am decided it should be or, or, or shouldn't be whatever the case may be. So I don't, I don't think much about that. I figure that'll be left up to other people smarter than me.
0: So I, I, you know, it's weird because they always tell you on the radio, they say, you know, people don't care about talking about, you know, who's the greatest Dallas cowboy of all time. Like nobody cares. Like, talk about, you know, what's coming up. And so I don't like to go too back, you know, in the rearview mirror or anything like that. But it's easy for me to think back to my childhood and think about how good, how good those old Titan teams were and how hard they fought. And not to think that your legacy will probably be, you know, about creating a franchise in a city that took over a region. I mean, when you look back to it, you'll... you'll Look at how you were able to uh, take the Titans to the Super Bowl in this town, which was viewed as a very minor leagueish kind of town. And we had, you know, the Vols and Vandy, but we didn't have anything special up until that point. And the fact that you took this town to the Super Bowl, you know, that is, that is the pinnacle of success, and we're now a big-time major town. And if you don't think that your success as a general manager led to a lot of what Nashville has become, I think that that would be kind of foolish. So if I were to say your legacy, I think it probably rests somewhere on that. I also think that climate change, which is infinitely worse than you, uh, I do think climate change has also helped raise Nashville's profile as a city when your winters are now 55 instead of 45. I, I feel like that makes it a more hospitable place that people want to live. So Floyd Reese and climate change climate are change. why Nashville has uh, has exploded. Predators Game Day, Preds and Wild is next. And, of course, Predators Game Day is brought to you by Geno's East and my friend T.J. Anderson. Let me tell you what. I actually was looking at houses with T.J. earlier this week, and T.J. was showing me the ins and outs, and there are so many things about home buying that even as someone who's bought a home and thought I knew everything that I didn't know until I was sitting there talking to T.J. T.J. Anderson is truly an expert. And that's why you've got to get with TJ. If you're buying a home, maybe you've bought in the past and and maybe you want a new realtor or, or the person that you bought from is not there anymore. Buy with TJ. He knows this market. He knows to say, hey, that neighborhood right now, maybe those prices are a little too high. This neighborhood is exactly where you want to be. TJ knows. Trust me. Also, if you're selling TJAndersonHomes.com, it has tons of people going there every day. Thousands. So what you want to do is you want to get your, your house in front of all of those thousands of people going to TJAndersonHomes.com. It is win-win with TJ Anderson. He's just like me and you. When you talk to TJ Anderson, Homes part of Benchmark Realty. Yes, he's got a team. But you're not talking just to the team. You're talking to TJ. Not like somebody else who just has you as one of one million, just not not with TJ. That's why I love telling you about TJ Anderson. TJ Anderson Homes, TJandersonHomes.com, part of BigSmart Realty. Jared in the GM, Pred's game day next. CSPN 1025
2: the game. Live from the Wholesaling Studios, powered
0: by RumbleOn.com. It's game day in Smashville, brought to you by TJ Anderson Homes and Chino's East. What are Peter Laviolette's keys to the game? Who will be in and out of the lineup? It's time to break it all down on Jared and the GM on your flagship home of Smashville. ESPN. 102.5 The Game. Predators Game Day presented by T.J. Anderson. Holmes, you all know about my buddy T.J. Anderson and Geno's East. Get a historic slice of Chicago deep dish tradition before or after the game. Geno's East on the corner of third and Korean Vets. Info at genoseast.com backslash Nashville. Tonight against the crummy, crummy Minnesota Wild. The Nashville Predators, 7 o'clock right here on ESPN 1025. The game, it is now time to take a look at the Anaheim Ducks game, or excuse me, at the coach's take, where Peter Laviolette addresses the Anaheim Ducks game and the Vegas game as well. But still wants to see a little bit more. Of course, the coach's take is presented by T.J. Anderson Holmes. Your road to real estate begins at tjandersonhomes.com.
2: I thought in Vegas we we came out we came strong in the last forty minutes to to win a hockey game. Might have been the strongest forty all year. So while we did some good things offensively uh, last game, defensively, uh, Pekka had to make a lot of saves, a lot of really tough saves, big saves. And I'd like to clean that up a little bit more. It's something we continue to talk about just the tension of details versus their rush. It's uh, some chances coming back the other way, but it was a, I mean, it was a good win, um, good effort by the team. Uh, We're still working on things.
0: Floyd, I think that we can say both wins were really impressive. When you look at the scoreboard, obviously the Anaheim game was super impressive, but I agree with Peter. I thought the team effort in the Vegas game, the way that they played was just the best that I've seen all year. So I'm not taking anything away from Anaheim, but Pekka did have to make a lot of good saves. You want to see them dial it in and be able to lock it in consistently, and the way they played against a good Vegas team and a good Anaheim team probably gives us hope going forward. Well, you've got so much depth, and the, and and you know,
1: even though the lines change, the production doesn't seem to change a great deal. And I think because of that, you know, you're constantly thinking, okay, we got fresh guys. On the ice, let's go. They'll make something happen, and and we've seen that. It has to be tremendous morale booster to have everybody on the team not only getting to play but being productive. You know, they want to get back out
0: there. Meanwhile, Robbie Stanley of NHL.com reported earlier today, Philip Forsberg, as we take a look at the injury report, Philip Forsberg skated by himself for an hour or about an hour before morning skate began this morning taking that as a sign that Forsberg will be out once again with a lower body injury. So expect no Philip Forsberg tonight for the Predators. But, you know, if the Predators were losing and weren't scoring, all we'd be hearing about is, ah, oh, they can't do it without Forsberg's oh, hot yeah. start. But I think I've been impressed, especially the other night, with how productive they were offensively without Forsberg.
1: Six goals? I mean, you know, you're scoring goals left and right without forest so you can imagine you know how exciting they're going to
0: how excited they're going to be to get him back if we take a look at the standings the difference between these two teams floyd they each have played nine games the predators have five more points in second place with 11 the colorado avalanche lead the division seven one and one with 15 points predators and blues both have 11 through nine games winnipeg 10 points through 11 games dallas boy they are just terrible this year three seven and one for seven points nobody saw that coming chicago down towards the basement although they've only played seven games they've got six points nine games for the wild six points for minnesota they come in at three six and oh floyd reese tonight the minnesota wild take on the national predators right here on espn 1025 the game at seven o'clock live from bridgestone arena with the voice of the national predators pete weber what are you watching for tonight
1: You know what I would love to continue to see are some of the guys that haven't been every game scorers for us, that have been scoring, continue to score. Tourists. Tourists, Sessons, guys like that, you know, where they go in and they really, really help out because every time one of those down the line guys continues to score, I think the, the attitude, morale,
0: confidence, of this team has to skyrocket your first reaction will be tomorrow on morning drive at six o'clock of course the post game show immediately follows tonight's preds wild game darren mcfarland hal gill live from barrel house inside of bridgestone arena morning drive at six o'clock will be your first chance to react darren donick and chase in the midday and then of course we're back for a fireball hot take friday tomorrow at two jared the gm we're out of here predators pregame is next On ESPN 1025, the game.